children and young people are going to take Paul and Jenny out for their children's church. Okay, um, it's really good today to have uh, Stephen and Jean with us again. They've come all the way from Dorset up to civilization here in Horwich. And uh, it's good, to, uh, they're friends for many, many years. And I've known Stephen coming here for uh, at least 30 years now, I think. Uh, and uh, at this point of the series, Stephen's going to give us a report on some of the work he's involved in. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Eric. It's good to be with you to make our sort of annual pilgrimage from Dorset to, to Horridge. Um, it was 50 years ago last, uh, or this coming summer, that uh, Jean and I left Farnworth to go to Dorset to work for God down there. And um, it's been good to keep coming back to just meet up with friends from the north. So having worked in the Lord, for the Lord for 50 years, we are in a position, I think you describe it as semi, semi-retirement, <laughs> uh, which doesn't mean that we've finished, but it does mean we've slowed down quite a considerable bit. Um, just to give you a little bit of, about the ministry, uh, as some of you know, I was a teacher in Chorley Grammar School, as it was in those days, and... I've always had this great desire to go to schools and to tell in school assemblies something of the Lord Jesus, something of the gospel, something of the Bible. And over the years I've been to many, many Dorset schools, but uh, just at present we're down to just 12, which I visit at least once a term. They're all fairly local to us, two of them I could walk to uh, in our own village, and it's good to have that opportunity just to share something of the Word of God. And uh, these children, you can see, are listening very well. Uh, This particular picture was taken in a village school, but it's next door to the church. So they have their school assemblies at least twice a week uh, in the uh, school, in the church. And it's a really good atmosphere, but those children are, are really listening well. It's a great opportunity. But I was only just reminded just about a fortnight ago, um, the head of one particular school said to me at the end of the assembly, he said, Stephen, what you said today touched my heart. And I don't know him as a Christian. He's been sympathetic. He's been very friendly. But he said, I've had a terrible week. And what you said touched my heart. So you never know who's listening. Teachers, maybe classroom uh, assistants, uh, all sorts of different people sometimes in school assembly, sometimes just to make sure I'm doing it all right, the vicar comes. Uh, But uh, whoever they are, we just carry on sharing something of Jesus. You know that I'm also involved quite a lot with Bible educational services, and I must start by saying you as a church have supported us regularly, and we're very, very grateful for that interest and for that support financially and prayerfully. So the work is now using um, booklets. Those are the booklets, uh, A4 booklets, that's uh, the normal size of paper that we use, are used in English-speaking countries, England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, Canada, um, places like that. Uh, the A5 booklets are used internationally 
The ones above have a month's lessons in, four lessons, so they can do them in the course of a month. The ones in the smaller booklets have six months' lessons, and they're much easier to produce. Uh, I'm going to tell you about three countries. I could talk to you about 60, but you want your Sunday lunch, so we better not do that. But uh, three countries that come to mind. The first is Brazil. It's a very big country, as you probably know. Uh, very big indeed. And uh, our particular group is a man called Alexandra and his wife Giovanna Torres. Speak brilliant English, thankfully, because, of course, the native language in Brazil is Portuguese, and he has translated almost all of our material into Portuguese. Uh, he used to live down in the south of the country, but he's now moved up into the north of the country, into the Amazon Basin. And you might think to yourself, well, Amazon Basin, mud huts, spears, people running around hunting things, uh, very, very primitive, speaking some language that nobody understands. Well, it probably was like that once, but it's now got lots of towns, lots of communities, people speak Portuguese, there are schools, and this is one of the Amazon Basin schools that, that uh, Alexandre visits, and these children are holding our booklets in Portuguese. Um, in the classroom, John Axford is a British missionary, comes from the Bristol area, married to a Brazilian lady, Claudette, and uh, they go into a lot of schools in the Amazon Basin and elsewhere, and they're using our booklets to teach God's word uh, and to teach the gospel. And you can see these girls, they're really happy because they have got... Uh, their booklets, and uh, they're studying God's word way there in the Amazon Basin. But the Amazon Basin, of course, is not an easy place to get around. Uh, in fact, um, the roads are horrendous, apparently, and, of course, there's a lot of rain, so the rain washes away the roads sometimes. So, really, the only way to get to some of these communities is in a boat. And uh, some time ago, the folks up there said... Our work is being hindered because we can't get to places that we want to go where we know there's an interest, but we need a boat. So that need was made known, and uh, money was given, and more money than was needed was given. So eventually they said, well, we've got more money than we need to buy a boat. We've got enough to build a boat. So they built one that's specifically for this work, uh, accommodation for those who are working, storeroom for all the literature they use, and a place where they can meet with people uh, who want to have a private <coughs> conversation. And I don't know any Portuguese at all, but Boas Novas, I think it is, means good news. It's the good news boat that's carrying literature into many parts of the Amazon Basin. So I thought you'd be encouraged by that. In the same way, you're probably very discouraged by this, because this country does need our prayers, doesn't it? Uh, Turkey is a big country. Uh, some of you may not know the geography, but um, Istanbul is over here, and the BES workers are in Ankara, which is here. But the earthquakes have been right down here. Apparently, there are very few Christian groups way down there, but in the earthquake, that's the BBC pro uh, programme that showed that what it was like and what it's like now. Some of these pictures that we've seen over the last few weeks are horrendous, aren't they? Um, we do know that there was one little Christian community out there in that area. Uh, the pastor and his wife were killed. 
the church was completely destroyed and, and just a few believers left with nowhere to meet and no one to lead them in these difficult times. But um, we have got uh, a BS work there. There's a guy called Abraham. I think that's probably Turkish for Abraham. And he's translated all the material into uh, Turkish. It's not easy to use. You can't go around as you can in the Amazon basin just giving out things because um, 98% of the people supposedly in Turkey are Muslim. So it's very big opposition. But having said that, Abraham organizes camps, children come, and they learn the word of God, and they use our material in Turkish. So there is a work there. We need to pray for the Christians in Turkey, some of whom have lost their places of meeting, as I say, and some of them very poor. They face opposition. It's very, very difficult country to do any evangelism, but just pray for those who are doing what they can. The Turkish booklets are in actual fact used in another country because a lot of Turks have moved to Bulgaria and there's freedom there. So people in Bulgaria, churches there, use our material to reach out to Turkish folks in their country as well. And finally, Kenya. Uh, this is another different story. Uh, we have a, a big work in Nairobi and uh, the guy on the right is a guy called Lazarus, tremendous fellow, and he really opens up the way for BS work in Kenya. In his garden, he's got a container, and uh, they're not very happy, really, though they're smiling, because those six boxes are the last booklets that they've got. And then all the container that was full when it came, they've all been used, and they can use them very easily. I went there, I think it was about 2012, it was some time ago now, and we went round some of the churches to try and show them what we had, maybe they would want to use it. So we went to Nairobi Baptist Church, which is a very big building, and we were shown around the various parts of the church, and I said to the um, person who was showing us around, um, how many children would you have on a Sunday? Oh, she said, about a thousand. Uh, and if you think of that, one church needs a thousand booklets um, twice a year, and the assemblies of God are vast in Nairobi. We haven't really moved outside of the city because there are so many demands for our booklets. Thankfully, another container is on its way, and thankfully, too, most children in Kenya, uh, in Nairobi, speak English, so we don't have to worry about translations, but it's a, a big, big job, and... Uh, We've really concerned that this is a real matter of prayer. We have a lot of help from revival movement and printing, but they can't cope with much more than what we ask them. And really, we need another source of printing that's cheap and able to supply the vast needs of Kenya. So here are some folks in Kenya. They're being trained to use the booklets. And uh, those three countries, perhaps, you might concentrate your prayers upon them. Um, just three things you might like to take... Um, I know it's a bit late in the year to give you out calendars, but um, this calendar has got a different picture of BS material being used around the world every month. And uh, February, wherever I went, I said, open up February and pray, because February's picture was a picture of the boat. So folks were praying for Brazil. Um, this month, it's Tanzania. Um, and again, we're, we're on mud huts there. You may not be able to see that, but this is Maasai people and they've received our booklets, and they do live in mud huts. And uh, 
that's part of the work in Tanzania. So if you'd like one of those, please help yourself. I did have last year some prayer guides, and I've still got some more, which just take you through the different countries in the world where the work is being done or our personal prayer letter. We appreciate your practical support, appreciate your prayerful support, and remember today, thank God for what's going on in Brazil. Pray for the needs of Turkey and the vast needs in Kenya. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Stephen. Let's pray, shall we? Well, I want to thank you for what we've heard this morning, this encouraging report. Uh, we pray for the work in Brazil. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, for the provision of, of that boat that's purpose-built. And we pray, Lord, that uh, even though many places aren't easy to get to except on the water, we, we, well, Lord, we thank you that, that many children are being reached and Lord, that gradually things will open up for even more children to receive uh, this Bible material. We do pray for your people in, in Turkey. We, Lord, we think of the, those Christians whose, whose uh, pastor and the pastor's wife uh, were, were killed in the earthquake. We pray for those who are uh, living their lives under such difficulty following that terrible destruction. And just pray again, Lord, that you will bless all the relief efforts. We thank you for the, the money that, we, that we've been able to give from, from this church. And Lord, may it be used wisely and, and, and to good effect. And we pray that in spite of all the difficulties of uh, distributing material because of the opposition from the uh, large Muslim majority, Lord, may your word get out into, into that country, especially among the young people, that they may, may hear that there is a message of, of good news in Jesus. Lord, we, we pray for, for Kenya. We thank you, Lord, for the tremendous number of children there who are receiving uh, the Bible material already uh, and those who deliver it. And, Lord, that just reminds us to pray for people who, one way or another, uh, are part of the chain to make the material available. We, we thank you for, the, for the, 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 the printing that's done in Ireland. But, Lord, having heard about Kenya and the needs there, we just pray you will provide another source of, of printing uh, to meet the huge demand. Uh, we thank you for those who translate the material in, into local languages uh, and, Lord, with those who distribute it. And over the years, Lord, we know so many have been helped to come to faith in Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that may continue more and more as your spirit moves. For your name's sake. Amen. Now, shortly we're going to share communion, but first of all, a, a, a hymn that just reminds us of, of the Lord Jesus and, and, and his sacrifice. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. As we, we, we sing these couple of verses, let's just think about what they say, and, and then our response comes at the end, thank you for the cross, and help us to just sincerely sing those words, what, what Jesus has done for us, how thankful we should be. So let's stand to sing, and uh, uh, Debbie's going to uh, help us in the singing. Thanks, Debbie. Uh, our reading this morning, if you'd like to follow it with me, is from Psalm number 84. Psalm number 84. And I've called it a Psalm of Pilgrimage. A Psalm of Pilgrimage. Psalm 84, uh, you'll notice it says at the top of the page, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! 
My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Zila. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob, Zelah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in, whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And we trust the Lord will add his blessing as we've read his word once again and this lovely psalm. Whenever you read a psalm, I always think it's good to see is there any indication of it was a time that the psalm was written in a particular time of events that we know about. And sometimes in David's psalms we can link them with actual events or actual times in David's life. But we don't really have much clue with this, except when it comes from the sons of Korah, who were part of the tribe of Levite, and linked with the priestly work. So we wonder whether there is some thought here that this could be somebody who's in exile, as it happened, of course, in Israel's history, and that they're missing the temple. They're longing to be in the dwelling place where God is. And it could be that there are Jews, of course, who went once a year to the temple for various festivals, at least once, maybe three times a year. And it could be that this was a song that they sang as they journeyed in their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But whatever it was, whether it was somebody in exile who couldn't get there, or some who were on their way to go there, this psalm tells us about the pilgrimage of going to the house of God. And uh, I guess it's quite encouraging, really, um, for housebound and Christians who, who miss out, just to remember here that though this place is very special for us, uh, God is everywhere. And wherever we are, we can still know his presence. Uh, they didn't realise that in those days quite the same. But we've got a New Testament. We've got promises like... I will never leave you nor forsake you. Whereas in the Old Testament, the presence of God was very much linked with the temple or the tabernacle. So, the first four verses that we've got here, um, from verse 1 to verse 4, I've called them thirsting for God. And you've got it there. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts 
of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. In actual fact, we could call this their delight in the Lord. Thirsting for God, their delight in the Lord. And I want to just briefly mention in that section three things. First of all, quite clearly, it's the place that is important. Your dwelling place. Various translations refer to that as tabernacle, or maybe it was the temple. The courts of the Lord. This very special place. And he's longing to be there, whoever wrote these words, in that special place. And I'm so pleased to see you here this morning, because you obviously treasure and you are thankful that you can come to this place this morning. Uh, as we were thinking in prayer before the service, uh, there are so many places where today folks would love to go to a service, but it's just not safe. They would be persecuted. They could even be imprisoned. They don't have the liberty to meet. And of course, thousands of folks around the world haven't got the health to get to a place or haven't got the transport to get to the place. But we're here. And praise God for that. What a lovely privilege it is to be in the place where God dwells in his courts in that place. And I know that probably the commentators don't say this, but it does say, the sparrows got here and the swallows here, a place near your altar. And uh, I can't help thinking, in view of what we've just done, we have come to a place near his altar. Near the cross, we've sung so much about the cross, we've thought about the cross, and all that the Lord Jesus did at the cross. We have found a place here in God's presence near the altar. No wonder they'd long for that if they were miles away from it. But they were aiming towards it in pilgrimage for some of them, I guess. But that place near the altar was something very special for them. And that's why they were yearning, fainting, they were even um, sort of had this real heartache in their hearts. I want to be in the place where God is. One of our elders was uh, welcoming folks at the door one Sunday morning. And uh, he said to one particular person, uh, oh, he said, um, it's lovely to see you. We haven't seen you for some time. Thank you for coming this morning. Oh, said the man, I only came because it rained. I was going to paint the fence, but... Uh, I had to come to church instead. Well, that's not the reason why we're here this morning, I'm quite sure. We're here because we have a desire to be in the place where God dwells. But it's not just the place. It is equally important to notice the person. We've had the place, now the person. And look what he says. O Lord Almighty, the courts of the Lord, the living God, my King... And my God. We're not just here to meet with each other. Those, that's lovely and it's nice to see each other. And perhaps you haven't seen some folks since last Sunday. But that's not really why we're here. We're here to meet with the Lord Almighty. The living God. The Lord Almighty, my King and my God. What a wonderful person he is. And it's a great privilege to recognize these four titles that he has and the personal relationship he has, my king and my God. He doesn't say the king or a king or the God or a God. He says, my God, my king. 
that wonderful link that we have with the living God. No wonder he wants to be there where God is. And that's why we're here. But we can know his presence, of course, day by day in every situation. My soul yearns for this. And uh, he says quite clearly that this is a place where God is. And notice at the end, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. There are three blesseds in this psalm. That's the first one, verse 4. The second one comes um, as we go into verse number 5, and then the last one in verse 12. But here's the first one. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. We've done that this morning, haven't we? Some, Some of these beautiful words that people have written, and we've praised God. And I'm sure we've been blessed by being here in his presence. And when we aren't able to come, we miss that so much. But let's just recognize this is a priority for every believer to meet with God's people, to remember the Lord Jesus in the way that we have, and to praise God for who he is. And we should never, ever lose that wonderful thought of the privilege that it is. And we yearn for that very specially. We're thirsting for being here. I trust that's how it is for us, all of us here this morning. So that's the first section, my delight, thirsting for God. Now we come to the second one, and it's um, called, really, um, Strengthened by God. And now we are talking about the direction of the pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And notice again, verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Those of us who are older have a real problem with physical strength. We can't walk as far as we used to. We can't climb the hills that we used to. We can't carry heavy things that we used to. We can't get down on our knees very easily, or if we do, we can't get up again. We have problems with physical strength, and we just accept that. It comes with age, doesn't it? But when it comes to spiritual strength, blessed are those whose strength is in you. And Scripture has so many opportunities for us to just remember that. Remember when Paul is writing about the soldier in Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Remember Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Remember Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Remember Deuteronomy As thy days, so shall thy strength be. These are all words that keep on coming in Scripture. We can find our strength in the Lord. And there are situations, and all of us go through them from time to time, I am quite sure, when we wonder, how can I cope? How can I do this? How can I do that? But our strength we find to deal whatever we've got to deal with, or whatever we've got to cope with, we find it in the Lord. Remember Joseph Scrivens who said, uh, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then, of course, the, 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 the song starts, what a friend we have in Jesus. And if ever there was a man who had trouble, it was this man. He was engaged to a, a lady, 
and just before the wedding uh, she was involved in a, a, a terrible accident and she died and the wedding of course didn't take place and he moved to Canada and met, met with another young lady and he got very friendly with her and they were planning again her uh, a wedding and um, she got terribly ill and eventually she died and he lost her as well and then his mother got ill but he still said what a friend we have in Jesus he was finding strength in that really tough, difficult, difficult situation in the Lord. And this is what happened as the pilgrimage went on. It wasn't an easy pilgrimage, I'm sure, but they found their strength in the Lord. And they passed through the Valley of Baca. Now, theologians have looked on every map they can find of Israel, and they can't find a place called the Valley of Baca. So whether there is a place or not, nobody really knows. Or whether the writer was just doing a sort of symbolic thing. Because Baca is actually uh, the tree, uh, it's the balsam tree that sort of sheds its sap and its sap runs down the side of the branches and the trunk of the tree, rather like tears. And so they have christened this the Valley of Baca or the Valley of Tears because they recognized that on the pilgrimage there sometimes could be literally steep ravines that the road leads through and they're quite dangerous and sometimes people can be attacked on the pilgrimage going up towards Jerusalem uh, sometimes in that valley they would meet wild animals that could attack them as well it could be a really tough place to be but they have to go through that place and that's where they find their strength in the Lord and how many of us, from time to time, go through uh, the Valley of Baca? They go through that place where there's perhaps been bereavement, or perhaps there's been really bad illness, or some other family problems or business problems. We know the sort of things that people have to cope with these days. But in those situations, our strength can be in the Lord, and we shall go through them from strength to strength. You'll notice it says as they pass through the Valley of Baca. It doesn't say, as they stay in the Valley of Baca. Just to remind us that even if God allows us to go through a tough and difficult time, we go through that time. So you remember Psalm 23, uh, as he talks about the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Yea, though I walk through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. We go through it. And in Isaiah 43, some of you will know that lovely verse about going through the fire and going through the water. And that's how God takes us through these situations. That encourages me so much that even though I may have to go through the valley of Baca, I can find my strength from the Lord and he will lead me through that valley. And then, of course, he does hint, they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. Uh, what he's really saying is just occasionally as you go through this valley, there is refreshment. The rains suddenly come unexpectedly and refresh you. If it's hot, you're refreshed by the, the, the rain that comes. And the Lord does refresh us, doesn't he? Sometimes just giving us the, the, the real help that we need as we go through difficult and hard, hard times. So if we've been talking about delight in the Lord in the first section and thinking about thirsting for God 
in the second section, it's more about direction and strengthened by God as we go through that situation. And um, I think I've stopped going through that. But going through the valley of Baca and refreshment in the valleys. And then eventually, this is where we're going. Till each appears before God in Zion. Now they were waiting to that moment when they would eventually just meet to the uh, meet to, in Jerusalem and they would get to the temple and there they would meet in the presence of God and they were longing for that. And that's what happened to us, of course, when we meet here. We each appears before God in Zion, if you like. But the ultimate end of our journey, our pilgrimage, is to be in the presence of God one day when he takes us out of this scene. That's the end of the pilgrimage, isn't it? But blessed are they who find their strength in the Lord. Um, And that's something that's really very important indeed. Now we come to the third section. I call it speaking with God. And here we are uh, here in verse uh, 8. I know the zealot comes at the end of verse 8, but I thought it was appropriate to just move that along and talk about speaking with God and the destination of the pilgrimage. And you'll see, hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. And as we go through that pilgrimage time, and most possibly through the valley of Baca, it is very clear to me, and I'm sure to everybody, that sometimes we need to look up and come in prayer to the Lord, as did Joseph Scrivens when he said, take it to the Lord in prayer. I've been doing a study in Job, and uh, there's one part of Job, I think it's chapter 23, when Job says, I went to the north, to the south, to the east and to the west to try and find God. Uh, Or one translation puts it, I went in front of me, behind me, to the left of me, to the right of me to try and find God. But Job said, I couldn't seem to find him. And apparently the old-fashioned preacher preaching about that verse said, well, if Job looked to the north, south, east and west, He wouldn't find God. He should have looked up. And how true that is, isn't it? When we look up, when we come in prayer to the Lord God Almighty, he listens to us. He is the God of Jacob, the covenant-keeping God. And just pause for a moment and think, God is there for me. Whenever I need him, I can just come to him quietly in prayer, especially when I'm going through valleys like the Valley of Baca. Sometimes life is much easier and we're on the mountaintop. But time after time, it's down through the valley. And that's, of course, how it is. The God of Jacob, he says, and we have the importance of prayer. And then, going a little bit further, he says, look with favour on your anointed one. And I feel that that's just God looking with favour on us as we go along that pilgrimage. It's not something that he doesn't know about, but he knows where we're going and the direction we're going, and the destination he's leading us to. Uh, I noticed my text on my uh, office calendar, which I've got with me uh, for today, simply says this, uh, that God looks for good with all those who love him. God works for good for all those who love him, and he certainly does. He looks with favour on your anointed one. Maybe... It's hard to get that sometimes or grasp it in difficult times. But he is looking down with favour and he only works for our good. Very quickly, just finishing the psalm, um, he looks with favour on our good and then 
It is the blessings that come in the house of God. And he says, I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper there. What blessings we receive as we come to a place like this. And it's lovely to be amongst God's people. Maybe a few of them or a big crowd of them. It doesn't really matter. To be there is a great, great blessing. And it's there that we understand more of the Lord. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Now you can look through the whole of the Bible and I don't think anywhere else you will find that title given to God or that description. The Lord God is a sun. And it brings, when you think about it, some wonderful pictures in your mind. Um, I was coming back, flying back from Africa on one occasion, uh, coming into Heathrow about 7 o'clock in the morning. And we were passing over France, I guess, soon after 6 o'clock, still probably about 30,000 feet high, and the sun was starting to rise. Now, if you get up early and it's a clear day, the sunrise is pretty spectacular when you've got your feet on the ground. But I can tell you, from 30,000 feet, it is something you cannot describe. It is absolutely remarkable. It is marvellous. You couldn't take a photograph of it. No artist could paint it. It is so spectacular, the sunrise, when you see it from above like that. And it says here, for the Lord God is a sun. How marvellous, how spectacular, how wonderful is our creator God. And we perhaps lose a sense of that sometimes, so casually think about him. Uh, but let's just stop, pause for a moment, think. When we come here, we perhaps learn more and more of the greatness and the majesty and the wonder and the splendor of our God. And that's what the psalmist is talking about. This is his person, how wonderful he is. And then he says, and he's our shield. And he said that again back in verse 9. Look upon our shield, O God. For the Lord our God is a sun and a shield. And uh, when you think about it, you think to yourself, well, yes, I do need protection. If ever I was living in tough and difficult times, it is right now, isn't it? The attacks of the evil, when so much that's wrong and wicked and evil all around us, but he's our son and he's our shield. And we've got that protection, thank God we have, to enable us to carry on the pilgrimage and uh, I expect in those days it was pretty necessary to have some sort of uh, armory or even, I don't know how, what they had, uh, some sort of weapons to protect themselves from bandits or from wild animals or whatever it was. But they said, the Lord's our shield. And finally, they come to the third blessed. We've been blessed if we're in the house of God. We are blessed if we find our strength in him. And O oh Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. And that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? God blessing us when we trust in him. And we look back over 50 years, Jean and I, and we, we left Farmworth and we weren't too sure where we were going to live. And we both had said goodbye to our paid salaries and wondered how we were going to exist. But God has been good. And we just left it all in his hands and We've failed him many, many times. I'm quite sure of that. But God is faithful. We can trust in him completely and implicitly. Whatever the situation is, whatever may arise for us, 
God is there. And we thank God for that. And sometimes it's in a very small way. Gene and I got the car loaded to come away from home for 10 days on Friday morning. Got in, put our seatbelts on. I turned on the engine and it didn't turn on. And I wondered, what's wrong? I tried again, but no sign of anything. So we thought about friends who might have jump leads, but we couldn't phone two people, and neither of them answered their phones, and they weren't handy. So then we thought, we'll try the AA. Probably got a two-hour wait, and we want to get up north. Um, Within about five minutes, the AA man came. He said, I was only up the road. I didn't have anything to do. I thought, hallelujah for that. Uh, We can trust in the Lord, can't we? And... uh, then he was so helpful, I needed a new battery. I, he said, I said, well, I'll have to try and get the car to a place where I can get a new battery. Oh, I've got one in the van. He said, I'll sell it to you. So he did. And then he said, you need to top up your oil. Get me some oil. I did that. I'll top up your water. He was so helpful. I virtually had an MOT for nothing um, from the AA man. Is that just happen? Is it coincidence? Is it fate? I don't think so. The hand of God is here. Not because of me special or Gene special, but we can just trust the Lord in every situation. And somewhere or other, he handles that because we've waited for two hours for the AA many times over our lives and sometimes they haven't even come at all. But just when we needed, there was there. Thank God for him. So do rejoice this evening, this after, this morning I should say, in a God that we can find blessing when we meet in his presence. Rejoice in the fact that whatever we need the strength to live for him, he's there for us. And rejoice in the fact that we can just trust him for everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Believe not, lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Thanks, Stephen. Before we fit sing our final hymn, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word this morning that has done us good. We thank you, Lord, that we have had the privilege this morning of being in your house. We long to be here, Lord, and we are glad that we are here. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us even in difficult times. And Lord, whatever awaits us even this week and this month, this year, Lord, and even if we go through the valley of tears, we know, Lord, that you are with us and will give us cause to rejoice. Lord, may that be our experience, uh, even in these coming days, whatever happens, to know that you are still with us. And, and Lord, help us, like the psalmist, to, to, to talk to you, to keep our eyes fixed upon you, knowing, Lord, that you are faithful. You are all that we need. Lord, we pray that after our closing hymn, when we go find refreshments, we'll be able to encourage each other in you, because you are a God who is loving and faithful. Lord, it's good to know you and to be in your house among your people. Amen. Uh, our final song that Deb is going to help us with again um, just gives an opportunity just to commit everything to the Lord as we prepare to go from here and serve him in another week. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. You can't have more than that, can you? All I am, all I have, all I ever hope to be, to be for him, for his service, because he's worthy of it. Let's stand to sing. <laughs>